The curse is over. It's completely over. It's finally over after almost five long years. The Detroit Pistons have finally beat the Charlotte Hornets. There is one Kelly blowing kisses after the game, and his name was not Oubre. We'll talk about that on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I almost forgot to read you guys uh, what this episode is brought to you by. But anyways, per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you have not already, head to our YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button if you have not already. It's the best way to support the podcast. We're on our road to 2,000 subscribers, and we're also trying to show Lockdown that we are the best and fastest-growing fan base at the Lockdown Network. So one more time, go to the YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons, hit the subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. But, man, the curse is finally over. The Detroit Pistons had not beaten the Charlotte Hornets since I was a freshman in college. And it was not that long ago. It was 2017. Don't, don't don't start getting too crazy out there. I'm still a young pup out here, okay? Let's not get crazy. Uh, but long time. And the Pistons have finally done it. They beat the Charlotte Hornets. And trust me, it didn't, it didn't come without some damn near heartbreaks or, you know, people's blood pressure getting high. Like, they definitely put you through it. They won 127-126 in overtime. LaMelo Ball almost broke my heart at the end of regulation. Stole the ball for inbounds, got shot up. I thought I was about to die right there. It was my heart dropped. But there's a lot of things to talk about from this game. But I really just want to spend time in this first segment just giving credit to damn near the entire team for how the team played tonight. Or last night by the time you guys listened to this. This was a really good overall win from your Detroit Pistons. Now, obviously, there's specific players that we'll talk about. Obviously, Kelly Olynyk who in the first half looked like the corpse of Kelly Olenek, came out in the second half burning hot. I think he scored 18, in the, or I, he might have scored. Did he score all 20 in the second half? He might have. Um, but he really caught fire in that third quarter, and then obviously hit that game winner in OT from the inbounds pass from Killian Hayes. But it wasn't just Kelly. Even though Kelly, obviously, I mean, he hit the game winner. He's going to be the most talked about one. He deserves it, especially for how I was ragging on him on Twitter in that first half. He was piss poor in the first half but incredible second half and game winner thank god we needed this win over the hornets um but just across the board you there's so many good performances from the pistons tonight or tonight or last night by the time you guys listen to this sadiq bay continues to just play extremely well and show that he's a piece of the future a starter moving forward with the pistons when they eventually want to start winning played 38 minutes he scored 28 points on 11 of 18 shooting three of eight from deep Eight rebounds, including multiple clutch and hustle offensive rebounds late in this game. Killing Hayes missed a corner three in overtime, I believe it was, or at the end of the fourth quarter either, or Sadiq Bay crashes down the middle, gets an offensive putback to tie the game up. And multiple just hustle plays by Sadiq, multiple great plays, multiple clutch baskets by Sadiq. He hit a three, turned around, started talking ish to some fans behind him who were talking trash to him the whole night. Sadiq had a great game. Jeremy Grant, who was not very good, until the fourth quarter came. And that's not something we've been accustomed to saying. 
on the podcast or accustomed to seeing as Pistons fans. So far throughout his career, he has not been good in clutch situations. You can pick every now and then a spot where he's made a nice shot in the clutch. But overall, he has not been a very good clutch player for the Pistons down the stretch. But it was completely different against the Charlotte Hornets. Jeremy came alive in the fourth quarter, came alive in OT, and played really well in those two periods where the Pistons needed him the most. He ended up shooting 11-19 from the field, 4-10 from deep. He had 26 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Uh, again, just came alive in the fourth and overtime when the Pistons really needed him to. And it was nice to see that happen because he really was struggling for the majority of the night until it came to that point. He took it up a notch, and that's great to see. Yet another good game from Hamadou Diallo. He had 13 points off the bench, 6 of 13 from the field, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. That dude's just, like we called him in the last podcast, he's just a ball of fire that if you don't control him, he's going to score in the most weirdest ways possible. Like this man gets buckets off loose balls. He gets buckets like it's just the craziest ways he gets. You wouldn't think anyone was going to score that way. You don't think he's about to score, then all of a sudden he just like gets a loose ball or something and puts it up for a dunk or something. He's just he's incredible energy off the bench, and he had another nice game. Kay Cunningham, 7 of 16 from the floor. He had 19.6 assists, 5 rebounds. He did have 5 turnovers, and we are going to talk a little bit more in depth about him later on the podcast, uh, so stay tuned to that. But there's one particular thing that he's really struggling with that he has to snap out of. I think a lot of us know what it is, but we're going to talk more about it later on. Uh, there was one part of this game when Cade missed the free throw to put the Pistons up by three late in the fourth quarter, and the, and the Charlotte Hornets eventually forced overtime because of this. Uh, not something you want to see from your closer, your clutch player. Uh, he shot four or six from the free throw line tonight. So, But that late free throw, you definitely would have liked to see him hit and just end it before overtime. But it is what it is. The Pistons ended up holding on. And then also, Obviously, we already talked about Kelly Olenek. Killian Hayes had a really damn good game off the bench. He had set, uh, six points, seven assists, seven rebounds, and a steal. He ended up closing this game in overtime and fourth quarter for the Pistons tonight. Uh, just a real overall great win for the Pistons. You had Sadiq Bay was a plus four on the on the floor for the Pistons. Kay Cunningham was a plus six. K or uh, not Isaiah Stewart. Killian Hayes led the team plus seven on his on on the floor, uh, but not. A very good game for a few guys. Corey Joseph didn't have a very good game. Over four from the field. Ryan Magruder came back down to earth after looking like Steph Curry. He shot over five from the field. Uh, but outside of those two, it was just a fantastic win across the board. Everyone participated in it. Everyone had a hand in it, whether it was scoring, rebounding, defense, passing. Everyone had an impact on this win. Uh, and it was a great win to see. Especially, again, the curse that was the beating the Charlotte Hornets seemed like it was never going to happen. I didn't think I'd ever see the Pistons beat the Charlotte Hornets again. Uh, and they did it in Charlotte. So, a very nice win. Again, it didn't come with, you know, a couple crazy moments. They almost had my blood pressure out the roof and just had me on the ground, heart dropping. Like, it was tough. It, it, it was scary there towards the end. And the Pistons got down by a little bit in overtime. But Kelly Olynyk with the fadeaway baseline jumper to win the Pistons a game off the inbounds pass from Killian Hayes. Great damn win. We love seeing it. Thank God they finally beat the Hornets. I was really sick of being, losing to the Hornets. But when we come back, we saw a particular player play in this game. And what does this say about the rest of the season? And what does it say about things that were not done a few weeks ago? We'll talk about what I'm mentioning here when we come back from the ad break. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, and it's thanks to Built Bar. 
it almost feels like it's not even really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you ever tried the Puffs Built Bar? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're an absolute treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And it's not just the Puff Bars, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Again, 100% real chocolate. It's low-calorie and high-protein. Replace these with or replace your candy bars with these built bars. They're much better. They taste better. They're better for you. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macro chart. You'll be absolutely blown away. High protein, low calories. High fiber, low carbs. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And they have all kinds of flavors too, like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, this much new flavor, white chocolate cookies and cream. You guys know my favorite flavor is peanut butter. They have cherry barcia. They have strawberry. They have all kinds of flavors. Make sure you guys are constantly checking the website at built.com. They're coming out with limited time flavors all the time, almost every single month. So make sure you guys are checking that out so you guys are updated with the limited time flavors. At Built Bar, they're all about those tastes. They make it delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you have not already, head to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and you have not hit the subscribe button already, what are you waiting for? You're coming back with the content every day. Hit that subscribe button down below. Help us get to 2,000 subscribers and continue to show Locked On that we are the fastest and best-growing fan base at the Locked On Network. Uh, but we did get to see Isaiah Livers play in his second NBA game. Now, it was just making waves a few days ago when Dwayne Casey said he wanted to get a look at Isaiah Livers at some point down the stretch. I had a few of you guys ask me on the mailback episode on Sunday, hey, is Isaiah Livers hurt? Are we going to see him play, et cetera, et cetera? You ended up being able to see him play against the Charlotte Hornets because Marvin Bagley ended up missing this game with a sprained ankle. I don't know. If, I, I forget if it was his right or his left ankle, uh, but he has a sprained ankle. I don't know how long he's going to be out. They haven't told us. I'll make sure to keep you guys updated daily on the podcast uh, whenever I hear anything about, you know, the duration of how long he's going to be out. Uh, but because Marvin Bagley was out, this opened up some playing time for Isaiah Livers. Now, Isaiah Livers came in. I actually thought he played pretty good. Um, he shot two or four from deep. He had six points. He made both uh, both of his uh, made buckets were beyond the arc. He shot two of six from the floor. Uh, but this is something I want to talk about with Isaiah Lewis. He came in, and this is why I really liked him. He came in ready to shoot instantly. If he was open, let it fly. If there was any kind of space, he let it fly. If he let the if he got the ball on a kick out from Killian or Cade or someone, he let it fly. Is he always in the right? He was always in the right spots, spotting up in the corner, balancing out the court. This is a problem that I feel like the Pistons and one of one of my followers uh, tweeted this at me, and they were absolutely right. Uh, Isaiah Livers did something on the floor that the Pistons struggle with as a team, and it's properly spacing the floor and knowing where to be when dr- guys are driving to the lane, or knowing where defenses are going to help from and where you need to be at. Uh, one of them. You know, just a very simple one. I, there's more complex ones, but the most simple one I think that a lot of people will be able to understand is when a guy is driving like baseline on the opposite side of the court, you want the guy on the other side of the court that's fighting up with the wing to slide down to the corner so he can have that easy kick out 
to the corner. That's just an easy rotation. That's not one I'm specifically talking about, but that's just one of those easy ones that like the natural fan can understand. Like, hey, if a guy's driving baseline, you want one of the guys on the other side of the court to be sliding down to the corner. So if he gets closed off, he can dump it. He can throw it across court, like cross baseline to the guy in the corner. Then he can decide whether he wants to make it make a shot, extra swing, whatever. It's just properly spacing the floor and giving your passers outlets. Anyways, Isaiah Livers did a good job of that tonight. Now, he shot two of six from the field. One of them was like a shot clock. He had to get inside the paint. The other one was a nice pull-up midi that I actually didn't have a problem with him taking. He got a guy to buy on his pump fake, and he ended up taking a midi. Don't have a problem with that one. Uh, he shot two of four from deep, which is pretty damn good. If a guy can shoot 50% each game, you'll be taking it from deep. Uh, but again, he showed that not only is his jumper absolutely fluid, it's filthy. It's 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 absolutely just pretty as hell. It's it's pretty as ever, and he lets it go instant. That's the thing that I want I want to harp on. It's fluid. It looks nice, and he has supreme confidence in. He didn't come into the game scared to shoot the ball. He didn't come into the game like, oh my gosh, my second NBA game. I just don't want to mess up. Blah. No, he came in letting it fly, and the ones he made looked absolutely pretty, and the ones he even missed looked absolutely pretty. His jumper, you can tell, he has the utmost confidence in his jumper. And for me, if he's going to be able to let it fly like that, if he's going to be able to make, you know, around 40% of his threes, if he's going to come in that confident for me on the arc and know where he has to be and know where he has to get shots up and knows where he needs to spot up from, how to, how to, you know, balance out the court properly. And is a very, he, he what was he? He's like a three, four year uh, college player, right? So he's a smart NBA or basketball player. He knows what he's doing. Uh, so if he's able to do all those things, and he's able to play how he did today and actually shoot pretty well from beyond the arc, be fine defensively, but shoot well from beyond the arc, know where to be and all that. I think you have to find minutes for him, especially if he's sparking like that because the Pistons desperately need spacing on their team. They need shooting on their team. And Isaiah Livers looks like he might be able to bring it. And that leads us to this question that I have for everybody. If the Pistons, and I'm going to give Tory Reaver this credit, I'm just going to assume that Tory River knew he had something in Isaiah Lewis, or, or he wouldn't have picked him. He believed that there was something there with Isaiah Lewis, and that he was going to bring shooting. He even said that before the season that, you know, we were trying to attack shooting or address shooting, and I think Isaiah Lewis will help with that. Now, obviously, Lewis has been out with an injury for the beginning of the season. Then he had like a like a minor stint in the middle of the season where no one knew what the hell was going on with him. He was just like a ghost. It was just like a – like a uh, what, <laughs> what do they call those things, those stories that – the guys that you only hear about, you never seen them before. Mythological person, whatever. I don't know what it's called. But either way, that's what he was in the middle of the season. Because no one knew where he was. You just heard about him. You didn't know if he was real or not. Uh, but he ended up playing, and he played well. So I'm assuming that Troy River knew he had or had an idea he had this in him. If you knew that he was on his way back, and you knew Dwayne Casey was going to want to get him a look down the stretch, and you knew that you were trading for Marvin Bagley, and you had confidence. Again, I want to put emphasis on it. If you knew you had confidence that Isaiah Livers were going to be able to come out and play well. Now, it's only one game. I don't want to go too crazy over one game. But it's a conversation we're going to bring up and we're going to watch as the season progresses. If you knew all these things, it almost makes it for me even more wild that you didn't trade Jeremy Grant. Because where is he going to get these minutes? We talked about this on the podcast, the last podcast and the podcast before then, ever since – uh, Dwayne Casey last week came out with the quote that he wanted to see Isaiah Livers play a little bit towards the end of the season. But who who are you going to sacrifice those minutes for? You got Jeremy Grant at the four. You got Sadiq who likes to play at the four. You got Marvin Bagley now who you traded for that needs a lot of minutes at the four. You got Kelly Olynyk who's probably playing up and down at four or five. Like who who are you cutting minutes out of to get Isaiah Livers run? 
You're not cutting minutes out of Ronnie Magruder because when Ronnie Magruder ends up not playing, which I'm assuming is going to be soon, Frank Jackson's taking all those minutes back. As soon as Frank Jackson gets healthy, he'll be taking those minutes. And Isaiah Livers isn't a two anyways, so he wouldn't be taking Ronnie Magruder's minutes. So he's not taking any of the guards. He's not going to take Sadiq's minutes. It doesn't look like he's going to be taking Hamadou's minutes. Power forward is already clunky. So how exactly are you going to get this look of Isaiah Livers that you're talking about that you wanted? If you really want to get Isaiah Livers a look, Combine with the fact that, you know, you combine Isaiah Livers, want to get Isaiah Livers a look. Combine that with the fact that most of us believe that Jeremy Grant's uh, trade value is at its highest at the trade deadline. It just, you know, it, it really does make you question like, okay, well, why didn't you trade Jeremy Grant? Because if you did, then you just have an open spot with Bagley at the four, and then you could just play Isaiah Livers now as a backup for you. You can get him his extra run that you wanted to see. And if he's able to do what he did tonight, he warrants that. He need, the team needs what he brings. If he's able to do what he did against the Hornets, he should be getting consistent playing time because the Pistons need a stretch four guy who is going to let it rip like that, knows where to be, is a fluid, smart basketball player, and it looks like he has supreme confidence in himself. They need that on the floor. So I don't know. It's just something that we're going to watch for the rest of the season. It's just a question. If Isaiah Livers doesn't continue to play well, obviously it's just one game. If he doesn't continue to play well, then obviously no one really will care. But if he continues to look like this, it's definitely, I feel like, a, a fair question to say, well, you know, I, we wish we could get this guy some more time, but how are we going to do that? We got Jeremy and Marvin Bagley there. Now, I'm assuming Livers will continue to get these minutes while Bagley's out with a sprained ankle. We don't know how long he'll be out with that, but hopefully not too long. And when Bagley gets back, I just don't see how you're going to get Isaiah Livers' minutes. And with the way, he, what he was bringing and what he what what he was showing on the floor, I just feel like he should be getting playing time. He's a part of the young core. You just drafted him. And if he's able to play like that, he should be playing. So I, I don't know. It's a position I definitely don't want to be in if I was Dwayne Casey. Uh, this is not one of those ones I'll criticize Dwayne Casey much for. It's not one of those things that I, I would like to be in myself. So I don't I don't envy his position here. But I don't know. I, I just think it's a fair question to bring up that, you know, if you're going to give Livers a shot here and you believe that he was going to play well, you thought you had confidence in him and you saw how confident he was in himself, all that stuff. You know, it's just like move Jeremy Grant. Like he has ex- not only not just for Isaiah Livers, but also to get the trade value, the most trade value you'll probably get for him. Then also another cherry on top would be like, okay, well, we also want to get a look at Isaiah Livers. This will free up time for that. And also this will allow us to start Marvin Bagley and et cetera, whatever you want to do. So I don't know. We'll watch that for the rest of the season, figure out where we stand at with that at the end of the season. Uh, we'll see if Dwayne Casey finds some kind of way to continue and get Isaiah Livers minutes, even when Marvin Bagley gets back. I doubt it's able to happen, but we'll watch it and figure out what's going to happen and, and, and analyze it when it does. Um, but when we come back, Kay Cunningham, he's great. We love him. Number one overall pick. He's the best rookie in the class, all that stuff. But there's a consistent issue that he's having, especially over the last few weeks, that absolutely has to stop. We'll talk about that when we come back from the ad break. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetOnline.net. Football season might be over with Matthew Stafford, my guy, my quarterback, winning the Super Bowl. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action today. Again, head to the website, betonline.net today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action today. BetOnline, 
where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you have not already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. If you have not already, it's the best way to support the podcast. I'll say it again. Best way to support the podcast. If you have not already, go to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, continue to show Lockdown. We're the best and fastest growing fan base at the Lockdown Network. So thank you so much for all you guys who have subscribed already. Um, but there's an issue that our guy, Kay Cunningham has been dealing with. And it's been going on for a while now. It's actually something he struggled with at various points throughout the season, but it's picked up even more over the last few weeks. It's his foul trouble. He has to cut this foul trouble out. Again tonight, he picked up two quick fouls. He's putting the coaching staff in, in tough positions. You're having to, you know, choose to keep him out there with two fouls, three fouls in the first half in the first quarter. And if he picks up another one, you're talking about realistically keeping him out until like the end of the third quarter kind of thing. And he's, t- he's picking them up on stupid fouls too. Now, last night I got to the Hornets. There were a few fouls that were called on him. That I don't think were fouls. He's not getting a very good whistle. We've talked about that all season. K just has not been favorable with the refs. I don't know what it is. I don't know. You know, there seems to be this issue with, you know, light skins in the NBA. You know, people seem to be having issues with light skin. I don't get it, man. I, we we got to keep each other up. I don't know what's wrong with us light skins out there. We don't, we don't get the favorable whistle. We don't get the favorable, you feel me, support of our peers. Like, I don't know what's going on with that. We deserve our credit, man. We, we deserve some, some, some love. You feel me? But all jokes aside for real, Kay Cunningham, a lot of his fouls against Charlotte. I will say, I, I don't know if a lot of them were fouls. A lot of them were ticky tack. He doesn't get in favorable calls. But even before this game, against Boston, he had a bunch of stupid fouls where he's just reaching and taking dumb fouls. Even I think his first foul against Charlotte last night was him just reaching and taking a dumb foul. Like, those kind of fouls can't be happening. Fouls away from the basket when you're just reaching can't be happening. When a guy beats you to the rim and you're just slapping down because you got beat and picking up a foul, can't happen. When you rotate over on, on, on a big guy who gets a drop-off and you have no chance at you just slapping him and, you know, slapping him on the arm and picking up a foul, it's not worth it. When you're the main guy on your team and you're the best player on the team, the team, the player the team needs out there at all times, you can't be picking up these kind of ticky-tack fouls. You especially cannot be picking up these ticky-tack fouls back-to-back-to-back, like within a two-minute span. Like, you get one, okay, I got to chill out. Once you get two and three, you you have to, like, that's on you. You have to play smarter than that. For the last few games, Boston, he had five fouls. Against Cleveland, I believe he picked up two fouls early. They trusted him. He only ended up with three, but still, he was in foul trouble early. Boston, again, another five fouls. Washington had four fouls, picked up two early. You go before then. Uh, against New Orleans, I'm pretty sure he picked up th- two early fouls against there as well. Denver, he had five fouls. You go back again, Utah, he had five fouls. Sacramento, he fouled out. Like, he's been dealing with this for a while, and this, you can't be having that. You can't, you, that's something that he absolutely can control himself. Now, again, we've said it. He does not get the best whistle. But a lot of these whistles and a lot of these fouls are simply him just taking dumb fouls. And he has to get better at that. Because not only does it put the coaching staff in a position where they have to choose, do we want to trust him out there or do we have to take him out and risk going down by like 15 points in the first quarter in the first half and have no chance of coming back because we can't have him on the floor? Or if we do keep him on the floor, he picks up another one. Now we're talking about not having him until like the end of the third quarter. Like it puts him in that kind of position. But then also – 
when you have two fouls early, when you have three fouls early, when you know that you're in foul trouble and your coaching staff's trusting you out there, you know what happens? You're not as aggressive. You're not aggressive offensively, and you're not as aggressive defensively. Anytime a guy drives at you, anytime a guy that you're guarding gets the ball, you're just opening your hips. It's just a it's just a wide open driving lane. You just open in the turning styles. It's just wide open, easy points because you don't want to pick up the foul. You're scared to get a defensive uh get a defensive foul, and that you, the team might as well be playing five and four defensively because you can't be aggressive. You can't play because you don't feel comfortable in playing defense without getting a foul. And then offensively, even against the Hornets last night, he got offensive foul trying to seek contact. So now offensively, he's hesitant and not as aggressive getting to the rim. Defensively, he's hesitant and not aggressive guarding his guarding his uh, defender or rotating off ball or trying to stop drives, etc. So it might as well not even have you on the floor now because, I mean, you guys could be out there for a decor, but now you're not able to be aggressive. You're not able to play your game. You're not able to impact the game like you usually do. Because you're in foul trouble. So you're putting the coaching staff in a bad position. You're putting yourself in a bad position. You're putting your teammates and your team in general in a bad position. All because you keep picking up stupid ticky-tack fouls. Now, again, we all love Cade. Cade is a monster. He's a demon. He's a beast. He's on demon time. You know, we all love Cade. Okay? He's the best rookie in the class. Uh, let's. I might have to just put a graphic up at the bottom of my screen every now and then like Stephen A. does on first take. Anytime I Chris has a player, I need to just put like a graphic at the bottom of the screen talking about how great of a person they are, how much we love them, how much of a philanthropist. What does Stephen A say? Philanthropist. I don't know why I can't say that word. Uh, businessman. Uh, uh, all these good things about them at the bottom of the screen. So they know that I'm, you know, I'm a fan of the guy. But you have to be critical of these foul issues. These, this is a massive, massive issue for Cade and that he has to clean up. Uh, he hasn't been able to play heavy minutes either. Ever since the All Star break, we're looking at 21. 20 or the all-star break was before, but over the last five games when he came back from injury, 21 minutes, 27 minutes. He did play 36 minutes against Boston, but then back down to 31 minutes against Cleveland, then 27 minutes against Boston again. Then last night against the uh the Charlotte Hornets, the team went to overtime and he still ended up playing 32 minutes because he was in constant foul trouble. He can't keep doing that. Again, puts the coaching staff in, in a difficult situation. Makes it to where he can't play his game. He can't really impact the game. And he puts his teammates in bad positions too because they have to. They know that he can't really impact the game defensively. And it really puts, if you want to pick, pick a certain player defensively that really screws over, it's Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart was being put in absolutely terrible situations against the Charlotte Hornets. His, his guards, specifically Kate Cunningham, because he couldn't you know be physical defensively, and even Jeremy in multiple occasions when he was guarding Bridges, were just like it was just like turnstiles. It was, it was just letting driving lanes happen to the rim. So now Isaiah Stewart has to choose. Well, am I going to rotate over and just give up this dump off to Mason Plumley? Am I just going to let the layup happen? And if I do contest, now I might pick up a foul, and I'm letting my. It, and also, I could rotate over, contest it. And now my guy gets an offensive rebound behind me because I'm in the air trying to contest the shot. All because you guys can't stay in front of your guys because you guys just want to reach all the time. Like it's just an overall bad situation. That I'm sure the coaching staff is talking with Kate about, and that he, you know, is no is is clearly understanding of. And again, I, I pointed out against Charlotte, some of the fouls were tiki tack. I didn't agree with all of them, but still, when it's been a problem for like two weeks now, or you can even go back farther than two weeks, you just simply have to be smarter. If you know that you're going to get like two bad bad calls on you a night. Then stop with the don't don't take the ticky tack ones. Don't take the stupid ones where you just get beat. And you just slap a dude on the arm because you got beat. Like those ones, you can't be giving up free foul calls when you're constantly in foul trouble. You're not getting favorable whistles. You have to be smarter about it. So 
that's something that we need to watch forward with Cade for the rest of the season because it really does stop him from being able to play his game. So that's all I've got for you guys today. I was a lot. Of, I had a lot of energy to, uh, in this podcast because the Pistons finally broke that damn curse. The fact that Kelly Oubre was no longer blowing kisses. Now he did blow kisses in the first half. And I started to have PTSD. I was like, oh god, please, not again. Please, not ten threes in a quarter. Please, I can't do it again. Not Kelly. But eventually, it was a different Kelly blowing kisses, and his name was Kelly Olynyk. The Pistons won the game. Overall, despite everything we just talked about in this last segment with uh, Kay Cunningham and his foul trouble. Really, this was just a great win from the Pistons from all kinds of angles, from bench players, from the almost the entire starting line. Hey, Isaiah Stewart had a fine game. And then off the bench, you had Hamidou Diallo, Kelly Olenek, Killian Hayes had a good game. Isaiah Livers participated really well in his 13 minutes. It's an overall great team win from the Pistons. They should be extremely happy with that. Really good win. Uh, and again, broke that damn curse. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you make Locked On NBA your second listen of every day. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I would really appreciate it. And, yeah, guys, celebrate this win. Be happy. They broke the curse against the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe that means we can actually string a winning streak against these guys. Who knows? Maybe we can start our own curse against them. But until the next podcast, I'll see you guys later. Go Pistons. Great win. I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.